Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited that you tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you're listening from, we hope you are encouraged by this message. Have a seat. My first ever six o'clock at DLC. How good is that? Ben told me you were good looking, but he didn't tell me how good looking. This is amazing. Very, very good. You know, you know what excites me about this is, um, you know, you've got Magella there on the front row. She's a Hope Center kid. You come to Jesus at Hope Center, didn't you? Yeah, so cool. I remember the moment. Pastor Ben and Dan. And uh, they would tell you that, you know, the ministry that you're now part of, which has really seen some very amazing things in nearly two decades now, has been driven out of the spirit and the generation that you represent. And, uh, you know, we went to a broken down little old church in the red light district of Brisbane, which God just breathed on. And we made a commitment way back there in the year 2000 in Brisbane's Fortitude Valley that we were going to absolutely go after teens and young adults. And, uh, you know, even today, that's a dominant culture within the life of our church. And I know not everybody here is a young adult. You're an adult and you've got a young spirit or you wouldn't be here or you shouldn't be here. Um, just let's be face. Let's just face the facts. But um, I, I believe Sunday mornings are very, very important in the life of a church. That's where we build the family. But if we get this right in the six o'clock service, we can build an army out of here. And uh, stop saying you're the church of the future. That's a lot of rubbish. You're the church of today. And I want you to embrace it. You're not here to spectate. You don't sit on the edge. We're in the center of church life. And if you're brand new, you've been here more than a few weeks. Let me tell you something. You are ready to serve Jesus with a whole heart. Are you with me tonight? So we're going to dive straight into it. I'm not going to waste time tonight. We're going to dive straight into it. And uh, if you have your Bible, some of you have got on your iPad, your iPhone, some of you have upgraded your eyelid, wherever you've got it, uh, I want you to come with me to a book right near the front of the Bible. It's called the book of Numbers. Numbers. Numbers chapter 13 and 14, just get there somewhere. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. Uh, We're going to put the scriptures on the screen for you. Does anybody here suffer from FOMO? You would. All the sanguines suffer from FOMO. It's called the fear of missing out. Anybody now that you know, does anybody here suffer? You, You don't want to miss the party. You don't want to miss out being part of what's going down. Well, I've got the antidote for FOMO, and it's role modeled to us by a guy in the Bible that probably doesn't get as much press as his friend. The guy that I want to talk to you about tonight is Caleb. He has a friend called Joshua. He gets all the press. He even had a book in the Bible named after him. Big deal. But this guy, Caleb, you know what Caleb means? Those of you that, you know, you want to, we've actually got a Caleb here, haven't we, tonight? Yeah. Where are you, Caleb? You know what your name means, mate? Dog. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, loyal old dog. Uh, That's what it really means, but it's it's all good. So uh, this guy, Caleb, actually didn't even belong in in the family of God. He was an outsider whose parents named him Dog. Does anybody in this room know what your name means? Anybody? Just give me a little wave. All right, you know what it means, and most of you means, you know, special little person, God loves you more than everybody else, all that stuff, right? When I was born, my parents looked at me on that special day and said, and he shall be called Wayne, for whatever reason. 
So I one day, you know, when your kids are coming along, your, your wife buys those little books with babies' names and what they mean. You wouldn't need to do it anymore. It would have probably, it's all on the net. But uh, I remember we got one of those books and babies' names. And I was so excited because I wanted to know why my parents named me Wayne. So I got the book and I went right to the back to the W's. W-A-Y-N-E. You know what I found my name means? Wagon maker. Changed my life. Like, well, thank you very much. Caleb, when his parents looked at him and said, and you shall be called dog. So this old dog, this old dog, don't take it personally, don't leave the church. Uh, This old dog can teach us some things because he teaches us the antidote for FOMO. All right? Come with me to Numbers chapter 14, verse 21, 24. Here we go. Nevertheless, God is speaking. Nevertheless, as surely as I live. It's kind of cool with that. Nevertheless. It's very special. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Listen to God. Not one of them will ever see the land that I promised them on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Now, verse 24 is a big one. We're going to put it on the screen. But because my servant Caleb has what? A... No, come on, we don't mumble in this service. Because he has a... And follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went and his descendants will inherit it. I'm captivated by the challenge of living with a different spirit. You know what I love about a different spirit? It's different. It's different to the way everybody else is kind of living. Sometimes you're in the minority, but the minority doesn't mean you're wrong. We've got this thing going on today in the 21st century. To be loud is to be right. To be in the gang is to be right. No, no, to be right is to be right. Someone help the preacher. And a different spirit is different to the way many people live. And I want it said of the desert life people, especially the six o'clock service people, there's something about them. They carry a different spirit. You see, a different spirit's happy when everybody's miserable. A different spirit puts on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Different spirit doesn't wait for the musicians to somehow whip us into a frenzy. No, no, you choose to put on that garment of praise. You're here ready. You're not saying, go on, musicians, I dare you to somehow get me to lift my voice and lift my hands. Come on, preacher, I dare you to get me to smile or respond. No, 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 people with a different spirit know I'm part of the answer, not part of the problem. I know I'm a thermometer, I'm not a thermometer, I'm a thermostat. In a lot of houses, you've got a thermometer. All that does is state the obvious. It's hot. It's cold. Out here, it just says, it's hot. Actually, you've got two settings, haven't you? Summer and winter. It's hot. It's cold. That's a thermometer. There's a lot of thermometer Christians. You just reflect the atmosphere. But hey, people with a different spirit aren't a thermometer. We're a thermostat. When things aren't right, we kick in and we bring change. Whether it's in my college, my workplace, my family, my community, we are people of a different spirit. Living on the front foot, carrying praise in the midst of turmoil. 
responding to faith and with faith when challenges arrive. So in the few minutes, we're just going to take maybe three thoughts about Caleb's life and what it means to live with a different spirit. You know, Jesus said we're supposed to be salt and light. You know what I've discovered about salt and light? I actually studied science at uni. Salt and light are both agents of change. Light changes darkness. Turn the lights out. It's a very different moment here for us. Salt actually is an incredible antidote for disease. That's who we are. We're people who bring about change. We're not people trapped by inevitability. Amen? That's who we are. So three traits that I want to highlight about people living with a different spirit. Number one, if you have a different spirit, you process information differently. Have you noticed there's a lot of bad news around? There's just a lot of bad news around. And it's, somehow, people seem to be attracted to bad news. Bad news sells. Bad news fills the six o'clock news. Bad news fills the, the, the internet. Bad news fills newspapers. Bad news. And bad news seems to get a momentum all of its own. I read the newspaper the correct way, by the way. I grabbed the newspaper when we were flying out here yesterday. You, the, the only way to read a newspaper is from the back page forward. All right? The the news deteriorates the further you go forward. But it's amazing, you know, sporting teams. I was just watching today. I'm I'm from Brisbane. I support this incredible team called the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, There's a reason for that because actually it's a very Christian thing to do because the Bible says Jesus will be riding on a white horse. It's a very Christian thing to do. And, And I noticed we lost one game. We lost the first game. One of our star players got injured. There was a few issues going on. Next thing, oh, it's all miserable. It's all terrible. Come on, people, stop. It's somehow people jump on the bandwagon of bad news. But people with a different spirit aren't caught up by the bad news. They're not trapped by the inevitable. We process information differently. Hmm. I think we've all got a capacity to listen to bad reports. People say to me, are you one of those glass half full guys? Glass half empty guys. I say, I'm one of the guys that's glad there's a glass. (laughs) Let's be those kind of people. Come on. Different spirit. Regarding the era that Caleb lived in, listen to what scripture says. Numbers 13, verse 2. In the NIV, God who doesn't lie. Do we agree that God doesn't tell lies? This is what he said. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan. Big line coming, which I am giving. Say that with me, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, 12 of which there were. He says, send one of its leaders. Now, now I'm somebody that actually gets this. My dad, when I was at uni, first year, I came home one day and he said, son, I bought you a car. I said, you happen to be the best father on the planet. He said, do you want to see it? I said, of course. Let's go have a look. So we go down to, uh, this was in the city of Ipswich. We went to Brisbane Street, Ipswich, and he pulls up in front of this car lot, and there's all these beautiful, shiny cars. I said, that's amazing. He said, no, mate, it's not one of them. Come with me. Down in the very back corner, there was a 1962 VW. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it was special. Uh, it, it just needed a little bit of spiritual ministry, but it got there in the end. And I remember looking at it, he said, Have a jump in. I jumped in and started it up. I said, this is amazing. Thanks, Dad. I said, can we take it home today? He said, well, no, we can't. 
He said, they've got to do a road work. They've got to do a few things to it. But he said, it's yours. It's paid for. My name's on the contract. It's ready to pick up. Just wanted you to see it today. And sooner or later, you're going to take possession of it. Having been through that experience, I fully get what's happening for the children of Israel. God said, the land is yours. Go and have a look at it. You mightn't take it today, but very, very soon you're actually going to live in that land. Go and have a look at it. Go out, check it out, bring back a report. So they go out, they come back. The spies bring a report. You'll see it in verse 27. The 12 that go out, what 12 tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, they go out, they have a look at. That land that God said it's yours. Like my dad said, the car's yours. God said the land's yours. They go out, they have a look, they check it out, they come back. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. Now, can you imagine Moses led somewhere between two to three million people out of Egypt? They can't wait to take possession of this promised land. Now, I'm somebody that really gets off on big crowds. I love big sporting crowds. Remember sitting once at the MCG amongst the Barmy Army when England was playing Australia in the cricket. Total nutcases. It was amazing. All right, I, lo- I love it when a crowd sort of becomes one personality. Can you imagine what it was like when t- two or three million people can't wait to hear the report, what's the land like? And they're all sitting there nudging. What are they going to say? And they stand up in front of Moses and the Bible says they give the report. It says, we went into the land that you sent us, and it does flow with lactose-free honey, milk, sorry, and organic honey. And he said, and here's its fruit. You know what the Bible actually says? The grapes were so big in the promised land that it took two men to carry them on a pole. Seriously, kind of feel, being a little too close to the microwave, but that's another story. Massive grapes, incredible milk and honey. And can you imagine the two or three million people that are sitting there waiting for the report when they began to tell them about the milk, the honey, the grapes and everything there, what would they have done? Oh. They're all excited. They're high-fiving each other. This is amazing. How good is Yahweh? How good is our God? Until the fake news begins. Verse 32. The same 12 that brought the report. Now 10 of the 12 step up and begin to give a bad report. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. And they said, the land we explored devours, give me a break, devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. Wow. Different spirit. Different spirit. See, the common spirit is to see things from a negative place. The different spirit sees it from a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith. A significant part of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount was refuting wrong mindsets. He says over and over in the Sermon on the Mount, you'll, hear him, you'll see him say, you've heard it said, the majority is saying, it's all over Twitter. Check it out. Facebook's riddled with it. You've heard it said, but I say... In other words, Jesus is saying, don't worry what they're saying on social media. Don't worry about what they're chatting around the water cooler. What does Jesus say about this issue? 
See, I think the problem with a lot of us here, I'm going to be blunt with you just for a minute. I think the problem with a lot of us, we follow Jesus, but we don't read his word. Many of us know a lot more about pop culture, about stuff that's either on the radio, that's on various media platforms, and we don't know enough about the Word of God. My challenge to all of us is to begin to be people who read the Bible. Ready for another one? Start memorizing parts of the Bible. If you don't know what part, talk to your young adult pastors, talk to your youth pastors. What parts would help me get a breakthrough in these areas of my life? Because I'm, I'm being bombarded by everybody saying. Let's start being people and get the word into us. A different spirit embraces the word of God. Second thing a different spirit does is it measures challenges differently. It just measures them differently. It's different spirits, a spirit of faith. The common spirit is the spirit of unbelief. Go back to Numbers 13, verse 33. This is what the 10 of the 12 uh, spies said. We saw the Nephilim there. They're the descendants of Anak. He says, we seemed, here's a big problem, ready? We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's an issue right there. And we looked the same to them. Memo to self. We see life the way we see ourselves. That's how you, the, the different spirit doesn't just see what's in the mirror. The different spirit sees who I am through the lens of the word of God. I love what King David says. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I think every one of us needs to do that regularly. If not daily, every week. Stand in front of the mirror and say, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Wear a towel, best if you can. And <laughs> Psalm 139. He says, marvelous are your works, O God. My soul, I'm emotionally whole. My soul knows very well. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a child of the living God. I've been made a king and a priest under my God. And if you're with me, say amen. That's who we are. We're not grasshoppers. And too many of us are looking at life and we're seeing life through a diminished view of who we are. It's time again we dive into Scripture and see what the Bible says about us. Hey, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Correct or not? The problem with those negative confessions is it breeds doubt, discouragement. You know, in the next verse, from, from Numbers 13, verse 33, there, there were, obviously, in the days when the Scripture was written, no verses, no chapters, it was one narrative. The very next thing that's said, after they give that negative report, we look like grasshoppers, they're too big, we're too small. Look at what happens. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. You see what negativity does? It spreads quicker than the flu. I've got a question for you. How do people feel after they've been with you? I live my life with one desire. Pump up people's tires. I want them to leave a little taller. I want them to dream a little bigger. I want them to have a little bit more expectation for their future. If it's a minute or an hour, I want people to believe for more, not less, after being with me. What kind of spirit do you carry? Oh, I'm just a realist. No, you're not. You're a pessimist. Come on, smile back at me. 
Stop getting all millennial on me. Come on. Come on. Let's be people of a different spirit. Listen to Caleb. Numbers 13. Verse 30, Caleb, he's listening to all this negativity. I like this old dog. I love him. He's listening to all the negativity. He's listening to people, woe is us. It's too big. It's too hard. This is what he says. Caleb silences the people before Moses. He said, we should go up and take possession of it, for we can certainly do it. I love Joshua and Caleb for this reason. They might have been the minority, but they were still right, and they held on to their convictions. Until 1492, when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue, the majority said the world was flat. But Christopher Columbus used to watch the stars and the moon and said, hang on, it does that. The majority said it was flat. Somebody was different. Who was right? The minority. Only a few years ago now, Lynn and I were in Washington, D.C. We went to the Smithsonian Museum of Flight. That's a really cool place to go. It's a really cool place. And there we saw a replica of what the Wright brothers flew in 1903. You see, the majority was saying something heavier than air can't fly. But the Wright brothers, two boys who owned a bush bike store, said, hang on a minute. They worked it out. The majority says this can't happen, but in 1903, these two brothers, the the Wright brothers, I love this, worked the maths out. They flew 852 feet. That's less than 300 meters. It took 60 seconds, 59 to be precise. You do the maths. That plane flew at 18 kilometers an hour. Just hang in there. But it went nearly 300 meters. Everybody said it couldn't happen, but some people, the minority, said, no, hang on, it's right. Guess what? That was in 1903. I remember being in year six in 1969 when they all ushered us into a few rooms at our school, Groveley Primary School, and in black and white TV, we watched a man called Armstrong just 66 years later put his foot on the moon. Unbelievable. Those things don't happen if we listen to the negativity of the majority. See, the majority would say it's impossible to build a powerful, prevailing, life-giving church in the Red Center. No one's interested in going to church in Alice Springs, but people with a different spirit said, no, hang on a minute. Jesus is Lord. His spirit is still alive. His word still is relevant today. And we believe that something mighty can happen in this place, in this generation. The majority is saying that young adults aren't turned on to God anymore. You and I know different. We know different. We've got a different spirit. We see possibilities rather than problems. Different spirit says God is greater. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Different spirit knows you're not too young. Stop saying you're too young. Have a read of scripture. Have a read of history of people who were used incredibly before their 21st birthday. Stop using that as an excuse. Paul said to Timothy, don't say you're too young. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Instead, you be an example to everybody. In the way you live, the way you talk, the way you serve, the way you love, you do that. You're not too young. You're not too old. You're not too messed up. In fact, God can take your mess and turn it into an incredible message. You're not too this and you're not too that. I I love the thought that... It's not really the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. 
True story. Young girl, late teens, walked into a, well, we used to say a pub, but in this setting, he walked into a coffee shop and politely says, excuse me, does anybody own the Doberman out on the, chained up out on the footpath? The guy gets up, he goes, he stands up, and there he is, a tradie. You could tell he's a tradie, he had the big hard boots, big hat, little brother's shorts. And he says... Um, <laughs> He says, yeah, yeah, I, I own the Doberman. What's the problem? He said, well, <coughs> my chihuahua just killed it. And he laughs and all his mates start laughing. He says, how can your little chihuahua kill my big Doberman? He says, easy, got stuck in his throat. You see, <laughs> it's not the size of the dog. Here's the third thing, and we're going to close different spirit not only interprets the data not only measures the challenge but it confronts the problem differently Caleb says in verse 30 he quiets the people and says let us go up at once I love this in the new King James let us go up at once and take possession if we are well able to overcome it Caleb knew the best way out was through. He knew. Different spirits says, we can do this. Different spirits speaks different. You know, I, I, I've been overseas a number of occasions, and I love going to places like the UK or the US because people are fascinated by the way we speak. We don't think we've got an accent. We don't, we don't think we've got an accent until you get into another culture. And it's funny when, you know, I take some friends sometimes and they, they go, just say something. We love the way you Aussies talk. We, we, we love your accent. Just say something. We love the way you talk. Wouldn't it be awesome if people all around this city said, just say something. You're, you're, you're from DLC, aren't you? There's a different accent. When everybody's morbid, you're positive. When everybody's seeing the problems, you're seeing the possibilities. When everybody's moaning, you're excited. You've got a different spirit. You can hear it. See, out of here, this speaks. You're carrying something different. I want to be one of those people. Are you with me tonight or not? Different spirit. Well, the de- defeated people says we can't attack the people. It says in verse 31, they're stronger. Negativity. You know that stuff that says, you know, at wintertime, oh, I got the flu, I expected this. Really? You expected to get sick? Yeah, well, everybody's got it. I don't expect to get sick. The economy's starting to tank. I'm expecting to lose my job. No, no, no. My expectation's in the Lord. Different spirit. Different spirit. Never forget, this is is what Jesus said. We're kingdom people. He said, he looked at the crowd and he said to them, with man, this is impossible. But with God. I want to do a whole series, Pastor Ben, called But With God. But with God, all things are possible. With, With man, the deaf can't hear, but with God. 
With man, the blind can't necessarily see, the lame can't necessarily walk, but with God. Read the scriptures. Look at Jesus' life. With man, one little boy's lunch can't feed thousands, but with God, they can. With man, dead men don't come out of tombs, but with God, they can. Help the preacher. Don't just stare at him. There's so many things that with man, it's not possible, but with God, all things. Listen to me. You can prosper in uncertain times. You can have life-giving relationships, even when all of your friends' life uh, relationships are going sour. They're telling millennials, you'll never own your own property, but with God you can. They're telling you, oh, you're, oh everybody in your family is carrying that genetic problem. You're going to get sick, but with God you can be healthy. They say in your family, right, you have a look, everybody's marriage falls, falls over, but with God yours can be flourishing. With God, it's a different spirit, a different expectation. You know, it doesn't mean challenges don't come. People ask Lynn and I sometimes, what is the greatest thing about 2018 for you? You know what I say? December 31. I was glad it was over. Far and away, the toughest year of our life. You know, in the space of one month, we buried Lynn's brother and my mother. Massive health challenges, all kinds of spiritual attacks, crazy stuff that went on that you just can't believe. It just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And do you know what I learned in the midst of all of those challenges, all of those battles, all of those hits we took? This is what I learned. You can go through hell, but you've got to keep walking and come out the other side. Amen. I learned not to focus on the enemy. That's what a lot of Christians do. They give the devil too much credit. You know, the devil got kicked out of heaven because he wanted praise. A lot of Christians don't give the devil praise, but they give him what he will accept as second best, attention. And just keep your eyes on him. Look to Jesus, the Bible says. He's the author and finisher of our faith. I learned to be generous. I learned to let the peace of God rule in our hearts and minds. Learn to live on a higher ground. Learn to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit and let that Spirit be that which causes the different Spirit. And when you live with a different Spirit, there is something which you who have studied science understand, cause and effect. Drop down, if you would, to Joshua. Not numbers now, but Joshua. Because it's 45 years later. In chapter 14 of the book of Joshua after all those spies that went out had died Joshua goes Caleb sorry goes to Joshua you'll read it in verse 10 through to 13 of Joshua 14 it says now then hmm, isn't Caleb Caleb talking to his mate Josh now then just as the Lord promised he's kept me alive for 45 years 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today. Some would suggest it's not just some figurative today, but actually that day he was 85 years old. What a birthday present. He said, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. 
I like this. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle as I was then. He's 85. (laughs) Sun's out, gun's out. Josh, look at this. I'm good to go, man. I'm up for the fight. I'm 85, but I'm still a young man. I've got a different spirit. You know the trouble with some young people? They're already old. Already old. Don't get old. Your age has nothing to do with the calendar. It's all to do with your attitude. It's all to do with the spirit that you carry. He says, now give me this day, this hill country that the Lord promised me back then. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. There's a whole series of preaching right there. He maintained that spirit all his life. And he didn't miss out. What has God already put in your heart? I remember when I was 20 years of age, I was a preacher's kid. Didn't follow Jesus through my teens. Made a decision to come back to him. I yielded the promptings of the Holy Spirit around my 20th birthday. Spent a little while struggling with my faith. And I remember getting to a point in my life and saying, you know what, God? This isn't working. I don't have any firepower behind my faith. And I'd been around, I'd been in church life, and I'd seen certain things, and I'd become a little bit cynical. But I said, God, if your Holy Spirit is a gift, and your power is for me, I want to receive it. And that night, with no one around, just me and God, He filled me with the Holy Spirit. But that's not the end of the story. Yes, He gave me a new prayer language. Amazing. But more than that, you know what He did? He put promises in my heart, some of which I'm living out today. And some of you know those moments. Some of you have had prophecies. Some of you have had scriptures leap off the page. Some of you were sitting in a meeting like this and a preacher said something and you didn't hear anything else the rest of the moment because something hit your heart. You just know that God had spoken to your heart. You know the trouble with some Christians? Caleb held on to those promises for 45 years. Some of us can't hold on to them for 45 days. Paul wrote to a young man called Timothy and he said, Timothy, you remind yourself of the prophecies. That word prophecy means revealed word. That moment then God spoke to you. You remind yourself of that moment when you read, you heard, you received. And he says, and you repeat them and you get a hold of them. And with them, you fight a good fight. There's going to be things that cause you to be depressed and things that will try to cause you to doubt and things that will cause you to be distracted. But you remember that God has said things to you. Some of you have been on altar calls and people have laid their hands on your head and spoke words. Don't let that thing die because God doesn't tell lies. He doesn't tell lies. Some of the things God put in my heart, didn't become a reality for 30 years. But God keeps His promises as long as we stay true to Him. Different spirit responds to people, to problems, to challenges differently. We're going to stand up and worship God and then I'm going to ask you some questions.